Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at microsoft.com/ai-for-all. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations, so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Hey there, rock and roll fans! Welcome to another episode of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast, recorded just off Abbey Road here in London. And this week, Action Jackson and I are going to shift gears a little bit. We've been doing a lot of hard rock and heavy metal lately, and we're going to talk about an American band. That's right, not a British band, as most of our episodes have been about so far, but an American band that have set all sorts of sales records, produced tons of hits, created an all-time rock and roll anthem, and are scheduled to play London this summer. And that's the Eagles, the California band that redefined country and rock music throughout the 70s. Had a lot of slower, ballad-like songs in the early 70s, but then in the mid-70s, they turned into a hard rock band. And that's what we're going to focus on, particularly the year 1976, where early in the year, they released Eagles Greatest Hits Volume 1, which has gone on to be the highest-selling album in America of all time. And later that year, they released Hotel California. The title track alone deserves recognition by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But the whole album was a real triumph for a band that had been working really hard and then found unprecedented success in 1976 and 77 thanks to the release of these two records. Yes, they fought a lot. Yes, they had band member changes. Yes, they made a lot of money and lived to the excess of the 70s. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How Don Henley, the drummer, singer, and songwriter, along with Glenn Fry, guitar player, singer, and songwriter, led the Eagles through their many incarnations and into international success in 1976. Now, before we get going, let us know if you've got any suggestions on how we can make the show better, which bands or albums you want to hear about. Tweet us at ugly underscore werewolf or check out our past episodes at uglyamericanwerewolf.libsyn.com. But for now, sit back. Let's jump into the old time machine to 1976 and learn more about the Eagles here on The Wolf. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. 
I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's Factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, uh, oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business, and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. talk about the Eagles greatest hits 1971 to 75 and Hotel California right right which, which both came out in 1976 yeah and I remember you said well we were talking about this last time well the Hotel California is not on the greatest hits right right but it was for me because you know that that uncle the cool uncle that you think to yourself I bet he smokes pot never seen him smoke pot but right. I bet he smokes pot mm-hmm. I had one of those and he had a he had a milk carton full of or a milk crate full of LP vinyl. Ah. So I was at his house one time. He lived down in Miami, and he didn't smoke pot. Come on now. <laughs> and so what I did was I took a Maxell tape, a ninety minute, and I did Eagles Greatest Hits on one side, and then Hotel California on the other side. So ah. I had like a super greatest hits. And so if you listen to that whole thing through, like because I mean, pretty much 
let's face it, Hotel California, it for the most part, is a greatest hits record also. Pretty close. Absolutely. It's a it's an extraordinary album. And the title track with the dueling guitars at the end is like a top five, top ten, all-time great rock and roll classic anthem. It's phenomenal. It's fantastic. Now, can I pose this thought? All right. Are the Eagles the closest thing we're going to get in the United States to the Beatles? Oh, man. And I know you... Well, now, hold on. I know you're going to flip out and say, the Eagles... But, but, hold on. First of all, I said the United States. Second of all, you had... So, let's let's just talk about Hotel California real quick. Mm -hmm. So, you had Don Felder, Don Henley, Glenn Fry, Randy Mice, and Joe Walsh. Correct. correct? Mm -hmm. All right. So... You've got all of these tracks on here. The only one that Fry sings on is New Kid in Town. Mm-hmm. Hanley does most of the deal. But let's go down to the bottom here. Try and Love Again, written by Randy Meisner, sung by Randy Meisner, like George Harrison. What? <laughs> and then you had the Pretty Maids all in a row, Walsh and Joe Vitale, mm-hmm. sung by Joe Walsh. He did it on his own. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're the musically they're the same. I'm not going to tell you that. But you had a band with four legitimate lead singers in it, all writing music. I don't think there's another American band like that. Okay, so to that point, I think your point is well taken, in that generally speaking, there's only one or maybe two singers in a band, even if other people can write songs. And usually there's a dominant songwriting force like a Lennon-McCartney, as it was with Henley and Fry, and then the other guys could write songs. Now, Joe Walsh came to the band. This was his first album. It's the fifth Eagles record, Hotel California. But it's, he had just joined the band. He, he had been in the James Gang, obviously. had been a solo artist. And his solo record, which I think was a very Walsh title, something like The Smoker You Drink, The Player You Get, um, <laughs> was, um, yes, very, very Joe Walsh. Um, it was also engineered and produced by Bill Simsick, who took over... Um, as the Eagles producer. So they had a producer that was similar. I think that they, Irving Azoff, who was their longtime manager, also managed Joe Walsh. So they uh, they said, okay, yeah, and they jammed with him before, so okay, we'll bring him in. Because Bernie Ledden, who had been in the Flying Burrito Brothers, was the original member. The original four were Henley and Fry, Randy Meisner, and Bernie Ledden. Randy Meisner had been in a band called Poco, and all four of them had backed up Linda Ronstadt. And then if you want to talk about Poco, Timmy Schmidt then later came from Poco and grabbed a spot on the Eagles for the long run. Yeah, I mean, took his place in Poco and then took his place in the Eagles. (laughs) You play bass and you sing really high, perfect, you're in. You want to get off a gig where you paid $140 a week? Okay, yeah, come come join us. Yeah, we can get into all that for sure. So, But to kind of warm you up to what 1976 was, so they'd had these four successful albums, right? Their first album, The Eagles. Well, I mean, if you want to start from the beginning, so Take It Easy, one of, the, one of their biggest songs was off the first record. And granted, that was, you know, Glenn Fry and Jackson Brown wrote that. So, I mean, that's a pretty big, a pretty big uh, one-two punch there. But still, it's, it, it, to me, it was they kind of hit the ground running. The Eagles did. There wasn't like, well, they had that first album that didn't know. Right out of the gate, they were they were blown and going. They were, yeah. And Jackson Brown, I guess, had lived downstairs from Glenn Fry and had helped introduce them to David Geffen, who had just started Asylum Records before he became the huge... David Geffen. Yes, the David Geffen that he is today. So he helped him 
get their record contract. And we'll, we'll talk about later famously how he got his royalties back, but the Eagles didn't when David Geffen oh, sold yeah. Asylum. So uh, yeah. that, that started some controversy. But Glenn had come from Detroit. He wanted to be a big star. Henley had come from Texas in a band called Shiloh. Uh, and Kenny Rogers produced their first album. And then they got together. They were part of Linda Ronstadt's backing band. Mm-hmm. But they had bigger ambitions than that. So yeah, they're buddies with Jackson Brown, who's helping them write songs. They're backing up Linda Ronstadt, who's a pretty big star. They get hooked up with David Geffen, who has some power, even though he was kind of young to the business. He had some power in getting some stuff done. And, you know, he got them over to England to record with Glenn Johns to make their first couple of records, which was a pretty big deal for an unknown band, really. Pretty impressive. And you're right, right out of the gate, uh, off their first album, Eagles, and, and it went fast. 72 was Eagles, 73 was Desperado, 74 on the border, and 75 one of these nights. So it was boom, 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 boom. Obviously touring in between all those. Right, which was, I mean, we've talked about this before, which was the way back then. I mean, you just, either you were on tour or you were making a new record. That was it. Or you were in rehab, I guess. That's how it worked back in the 70s. There was no, oh, we're going to take a little time. Like, no, you're not. Yeah, and rehab was just, we'll give you a shot of something else to get you off, you know, whatever it was that was ailing you, right? And we'll get you addicted to that instead, right? Let's go. Let's go. So, I mean, yeah, Take It Easy, Witchy Woman, and Peaceful Easy Feeling. Now, look, these are kind of what I would call country songs. These aren't really rock songs. They're certainly not hard rock songs. The Eagles wanted to be that kind of mix of that Southern California country soft rock kind of thing that that was their intention out of the gate and then the next album desperado they released tequila sunrise they did not release desperado as a single and then in 74 they decide they want to get a little more hard rocking they have a big hit with best of my love and then they add don felder to the band don felder is from gainesville florida and he's buddies with bernie ledden who was also from gainesville and i guess he had jammed with him you know when they were in boston opening for yes back in in 72 and that's when glenn fry named him fingers fingers felder because his fingers were all over the neck so when they decided they wanted another guitar player to really rock out they brought felder in and he played on already gone it was released off on the border so he wasn't on the whole album but he was on a couple songs and he was on that song and that is a rockin tune certainly for the eagles first three albums right i think i think too with with the addition of uh of felder you had more of a of a lead guitar i mean i don't know if you put him in the same category you know guitar god but i mean definitely more of a heavy hitter on guitars not just chords and you know strumming along to it he could play the solos and and jam out a little more. See, to me, the addition of Felder is what made them a legitimate rock band. Henley had a great voice, and they did write good songs, he and Fry. And together, they all played well. The harmonies between all their voices were very strong. Felder yep. did not add to that. Felder was not much of a singer. And in the movie, Glenn Fry's pretty upfront about it. He goes, for all of his talents as a guitar player, Don Felder is not a singer. We can kind of get back to that later because that's part of why they broke up and got so mad at each other because like you say there's fighting for which songs get on the album and Randy maybe only gets one song an album right to sing on and Don and, and Glenn write all the lyrics but maybe if somebody comes in and adds the two lines they have to give them a third of the royalties like hey add a word get a third you know that was kind of their motto. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's what it always comes back to is you kind of, I think you have to pick your poison on this because it was cool that all these guys could write songs, but I could only imagine, like you said, 
the just the constant butting of heads with no 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 this is a great song yeah it sure is go sit in the corner there we'll let you know because i mean let, let's be real honest it was even though everybody did contribute it was fry and henley they were calling the shots in the band i mean that's they're the leaders of the band. Yeah, they're, Correct. They're absolutely. Correct. And not just because they have talent. Henley certainly had talent as a singer. There's no doubt about it. But it's not like Glenn Fry was this extraordinary guitar player or an extraordinary singer in his own right. What he was was a type A alpha male who wanted to get stuff done. You know, I think after the first couple records, they figured, hey, Bernie and Randy will do more because they're seasoned musicians. They were in real bands before this. They're going to do more. And maybe they weren't doing quite as much. So then Don and Glenn are like, okay, this was our idea. We formed this band and we're going to take the lead and we'll get the songwriting royalties anyway, right? So, right. They, so they did that. Then they did one of these nights in 75, had a huge number one hit with one of these nights. Lion Eyes was big. And then... Take It to the Limit, which is Randy's song, where he sings that really high note at the towards mm -hmm. the end there, which is really hard to hit. That's an enormous hit, right? So then they have to go tour the heck out of that. Well, that's starting to wear them down, and the record company wants the record faster and faster. So I feel like the Irv's like, Irving Azoff's like, okay, we can buy some time for the next new record if we put out a Greatest Hits out, which I guess the Eagles were a little reluctant about, until it came out. It came out in February of 76, so 45 years ago this month as we're recording it, and it, it was huge. It, be, it was the first album to get platinum status they, they basically just invented platinum in 1976 like if you ship a million units then you're platinum and so it was the first one to get quote-unquote platinum this was an interesting record because it's one of those deals where everybody and i mean everybody that you knew had a copy of this somewhere people that would never listen to quote-unquote hard rock have a copy of the eagles greatest hits mm -hmm. and I, I remember it was a, it was a when i had that maxell tape my parents could listen to it like we were in the car we that's something we could all listen to together mm -hmm. like it wasn't it kind of bridged the gap so even though it even though they sold a zillion records it, it was kind of on the it was on the lighter side but yet you still had a couple of songs that were a little bit cooler so maybe the younger people could it basically it just hit every hit all the high spots everybody could have a, a copy of this and even if you didn't love every song on it, which I mean, I did, but I mean, that's how it went. There was something on there for everyone. So I, I don't think they did that intentionally, but unintentionally, they yes, this was the first monster record to be put out. Yeah. And you said something to me when we were in college. I don't know if we were in the dorm room or we were in the car. Like the Eagles, man, they just knew what they were doing. They just hit that sweet spot. Because think about it. They play them on classic rock. They play the the Randy and the Tim Schmitz songs on the soft rock channels, right? They play it on adult contemporary channels. They play it on the country channels. If they have a hit, they play it on the pop channels, right? They play them on every, maybe not on R&B, but on every single other channel. You're going to hear an Eagle song during the course of the day. Yeah, you and, and you're familiar with them, and you know, oh, yeah, 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 no, I, 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 yeah of course you do. So, uh, I mean, again, it's just, it's, it's insane how, did you do that on purpose, or did you, is this a happy accident? I don't know, but they just, they had something where it was in the middle. I know if you're a big hard rock fan, you probably say, oh, you know, they're, that's weak, mm -hmm. but you could, you could bridge that gap because I know like my parents, like they did not listen to hard rock at all, but this was something that we could all kind of, we didn't have to fight in the car about what we were going to listen to. Right. I don't want to listen to Peter, Paul and Mary. Okay. And my mother kind of liked country music a little bit. You know, she had a, mm -hmm. you know, she liked Ann Murray and Juice Newton and she... <laughs> She really liked the Eagles. 
And, and mm-hmm. it was the one my dad could stomach, right? He's like, oh, I don't want to listen yeah. to that Anne Murray. Oh, I don't want to listen to that country <laughs> stuff you like. But the Eagles, like, yeah, okay, Eagles. And I, yeah, I do have the Greatest Hits cassette, which I think was maybe, you know, part of the record club where you buy, you get five for a penny and then you have to buy two or three more at regular price. Oh, I'm going to tell you that was one of mine, too. That first, the first grab where it was like, you get 10 CDs. Well, the Eagles, they got to be in there somewhere. Right. I got to grab that. Or tapes or whatever it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So then that thing blows up. And all of a sudden, I mean, in a month it goes platinum. And it continues to sell throughout the year of 76. I mean, selling like a million copies a month, something sick like that. And for the most part, everybody gets a song on here. I mean, Take It Easy was Jackson Brown and Glenn Fry. Witchy Woman was Don Henley and Bernie Ledden. And then, you know, they had some outside writers. Jack Tempchin wrote Already Gone from On the Border and um, also did Peaceful, Easy Feeling. And I think he worked with Glenn Fry on his solo albums, like No Fun Allowed, once he uh, broke up from the Eagles. Right, yeah. He's a good songwriter, you know, but J.D. Souther, who was a friend of theirs, co-wrote Best of My Love with Glenn and Don. So I don't think Felder had any rights on the first one, um, but on the first Greatest Hits album, that is. But Randy's on there, and uh, and so everyone's getting some songs on there, 10 songs. But, you know, yeah, I mean, some of them are kind of country songs, and honestly... For a guy who's more of a hard rocker, these songs are kind of girl songs. Now, I understand you want girls to come to the concerts. If girls come up front stage of the concerts, you can get them backstage after the concert. It makes sense. And But, you know, Lion Eyes, Take It Easy, Tequila Sunrise, Peaceful Easy Feeling. These are not rock and roll. These are not hard rock songs. They're big hits. Correct. Correct. But the, but the one thing I always thought was cool on this record was that you had, I mean, the... There was no Joe Walsh. It wasn't there yet, but you had three distinct singers on the song with mm-hmm. "Take It to the Limit" from Randy Meiser. I always thought that was cool because I'm always a fan of bands where it's not the same thing over and over and over again. You know, like once once uh, Journey got rid of Greg Brawley or Greg Brawley, you know, parted ways, whatever. It was all Steve Perry. Right. That's it. And I really like "Same Way You Love Me." from Journey, where the two of them are going back and forth. I'm like, man, if you could have worked it out, that would have been so cool to have two, but that was never going to work out. Well, didn't Raleigh sing Black Magic Woman in Santana? Correct. Yeah, yeah I he, mean, he's he, great. He shown came out of the, the, the Santana band. But anyway, but that but that's my, my point, is that it's really cool when you can throw it to somebody else. You're like, wow, this guy can really sing too. Cool. It, it breaks that dynamic. And I think it makes the band stronger, but... I think in the long run, anytime you have that dynamic, it's usually the person who's singing one song wants to be singing all the songs. And I always thought it was cool that, that Glenn Fry, then not Glenn Fry, uh, Henley could sing and play the drums. I thought that was pretty cool. Now, he's not Neil Perr, but he's also, you know, it's passable and he can sing. He's a heck of a singer. Of course, in later days, when he became a solo artist, he would go out front and be with the guitar, maybe play drums right. on some things. They had to have another drummer with them. Because the Eagles, were, I feel like, were one of the earlier bands to kind of go out front and do like an acoustic set. Uh, and obviously, yeah, Don's okay. not going to sit behind the drums for that. He certainly did. Once they got back together in the 90s, they did that quite a bit, and he would sit up front. Mm-hmm. And they should. And, and Glenn Fry got was pretty open about it in the movie. He's like, there's a reason that I sang less and less as the album progressed. We had Don Henley. And if you want your song to be a hit, let Henley sing it, and it's got a lot better chance. He, he does have, and this is no this is no knock against Glenn Fry. he has a very distinctive voice. When Don Henley sings, you know that's a Henley, so I know that's Don Henley. It's not like, who, who is that again? No, you know it's Don Henley. But it's pretty and powerful. It, it's it's kind of yes. got both. 
And some say it's kind of rough, it's raspy. I'm like, nah, you know, listen to listen to something off Hotel California, like Wasted yeah, Time. I... Listen to Wasted Time okay. all the way yeah, through. Yeah, yeah, okay. Wasted yeah. Time, and, and some of it's kind of spare. They don't have a lot of noise in it. There's some air, some space in it. When he's just singing, and I think he does, well, his, his voice, is, it's really not much of an argument. He's, he's got an amazing voice. And I really like I Will Not Back Down or I Will Not Go Quietly mm-hmm. with him and Axl Rose. That is, song's not the best song, but the two of them singing together is really cool. Yeah, like I said, if, you, if you've never heard the song before, and, you, and you, you've never heard it one time in your life, and the vocals come on, you know, snap your fingers. That's, he's got a very distinctive rock and roll voice. No doubt about it. If you had to, especially later on, he is the voice of the Eagles. You know, once, once we get past this, once you get to Hotel California, the heat takes over, and, and he is the main identifier with the band. The main Vocal. attraction, no doubt about it. Yeah. And they should have, quite frankly. If you got a guy who can sing like that, let him sing. That's actually a pretty cool thing for Fry to say, that he understands, okay, listen, I can write the songs, but he's the one that's going to take us across the finish line as far as... As singing them, because yeah, back to Hotel California, he Fry only sings "New Kid in Town." That's it. There's there's not even one other one. So I think at that point he was just like run with it. And so, all right, so it's '75. They've done one of these nights. It goes quadruple platinum in the U.S. It's huge. But Bernie is starting to get Bernie Ledden is starting to get a little disenchanted because he's more of a country guy, and they're getting a little bit more rock and roll, rock and roll, rock and roll. And so he's starting to not enjoy himself as much. There's a very poignant scene in the History of the Eagles movie where he's talking about it, and they let everybody talk. They let Randy and uh, Don Felder and Bernie have their say on what happened, and Glenn Johns, for that matter. Everyone who has ever worked with them, they let them have their say. And Bernie was pretty repentant about this. He said, they're at a big gig, and they just finished, and Glenn was basically playing I'm the Leader. It's like, okay, here, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this. We'll make a record, then we're going to do a big show, we're going to get a plane, we're going to da 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 And Bernie took a beer and put it, and just poured it over his head, like, you need to chill out, man. Yeah, and Glenn was pretty fiery. Glenn liked to fight. He fought with Randy Meisner, and basically he left the band. He was ready to kill Don Felder in their last show together in 1980, prompted Don Felder to leave the band, and the band broke up. So he's a pretty fiery guy. You can imagine the way Glenn felt about that. Now, in the movie, Glenn was actually kind of chill about it. He's like, he told the story. He's like, you need to chill out, man. And But Bernie was repentant. He's like, I look back at that now as, as a mistake. You know, obviously I did that to embarrass him. And I, I'm not very proud of myself from that moment. And it paid off because that repentance let him get onto the History of the Eagles tour, which Randy was invited to join. He couldn't for health problems. But Felder was not invited. <laughs> Once they kicked Felder out, Felder was out. Mm, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you say that Glenn told the story. That's how many years later, though? I mean, I can imagine right. at that moment when he, I mean, it was just like, you know, you see red and you just, you know, it's mm-hmm. the, the vision of you punching through the back of his head. Yep. You, want to, you would just want to kill him so much. And and I think the other thing, too, is that once that, once that Greatest Hits record came out, you went from pretty quickly from kind of cruising on the, on the side road there to when now we're up on the highway we're doing 90 miles an hour this just became we they broke through into a whole nother stratosphere with this thing it's literally life in the fast lane right correct yeah correct which i think had something to do with a conversation that fry may have had with a provider of illicit materials yeah and they were in the car so yeah then then that's going to create it's going to poke its ugly little head in too yeah, apparently oh. Glenn had a great way with a turn of phrase. Like they'd be down at the Troubadour or something like that, 
and they'd see these young girls who were down there being happy to be around them, but they had to split because, you know, they already married some 50 year old music exec or whatever. So <laughs> they can flirt with you and kiss on you, but then they got to go home and he would see, Oh, look at those lion eyes. Oh, lion eyes. Did it. Or, you know, yeah. he's in the, he's in the car with a drug dealer going 90 miles an hour, zipping in and out of traffic while they're holding. And he's like, what are you doing, man? He's like, Hey, Life in the fast lane. He's like, oh, life in the fast lane. There we go. Been up and down this highway. Haven't seen right. Yes, yes, yes. So, all right. Yeah, that is that is pretty cool. It's pretty cool, you know. So Bernie's kind of a problem. Like, okay, let's ditch Bernie and we'll pick up Joe. Now, Joe can't really sing like Bernie. The harmonies are going to change. It's not that Joe can't sing. Joe has a very different kind of voice. Obviously, you can pick out Joe Walsh from anywhere, but it's not because it's melodic necessarily <laughs> it's kind of weird but but mm-hmm. joe's pretty weird guy so it fits him yeah yeah the the, the songs that joe walsh sings it's, it's kind of like a bob dylan or a bruce springsteen where it's like if they sung something else you'd be like mm, but you know you write your own songs it fits perfectly yeah. and again he opens his mouth you know this i've never heard this song before that's joe walsh but it's also gonna make funk 49 his voice fits it I love his Turn to Stone song. I think that Turn to Stone song is cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So, all right, we're going to get Joe in, and obviously they need some time to, to round him into the band and then get to recording some stuff. And Felder had rented a place by the beach and kind of had this kind of Jamaican thing that was uh, that he just kind of recorded. It was a guitar piece in there, uh, and, and he sent it to Glenn and Don to, uh, to see what they can come up with because they're the songwriters, right? And when they got to that, they're like, whoa, wait a minute. What's this here? I can imagine that, he, that was probably not the only thing you know it was probably you know here's a couple of ideas i've got yeah and it's just mm-hmm. like that you know blah 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 and then wham oh yeah and it Gold. was it was hotel california like the haunting yeah. intro to hotel california now you hear glenn and don talk about it, especially henley he likes to talk about the lyrics and you weren't the only one to compare them to the beatles he's like yeah the meaning of the of the lyrics have kind of it's kind of become I am the walrus. I'm like, did you really just compare yourself to, to Paul McCartney? Did, did I hear that right, Henley? It's, you know, but to me, the cool part, I mean, yeah, the, the lyrics could mean different things. You could interpret them different ways. That's for sure. But to me, the coolest part about the song is the guitar part. Yes, the haunting kind of intro and rhythm part that kind of leads through the song. But then when Walsh and Felder basically duel at the end with their solo, yeah. That's the yeah. coolest thing in rock and roll, man. It's an amazing, amazing song. And, and let's 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 be real honest. Most people who probably are not even rock and roll fans, if you played them that intro, just to I mean the first couple of bars, they would know Hotel California. Everybody knows Hotel California. That song was so gigantic. Yeah, and then you got the intro part. You got the lyrics, which may or may not be. I would, I am the walrus. And then, yeah, that part at the end, yeah, like you talk about like one of the coolest back and forth mm. in rock and roll. Yeah, just that to, to see the two of them play that is really cool. And Simsic said, he's like, that was the coolest thing in my recording career. That was the coolest thing I was ever a part of. Those two recording their solos back and forth on Hotel California. I'm like, I believe it. And doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't Felder play the double neck? Jimmy Page double neck. He's got the white double neck. I don't know if that's an SG. I don't know what the model is, but that's really cool too to see that brought out. Yeah, the, the way I understood it is they made the first one for Jimmy because he needed to play Stairway to Heaven and others on stage and and didn't have time to be able to switch from a twelve to a to a six string. Mm-hmm. So they built the first one for him. But obviously it was so cool they were going to make more. And then yeah, Felder and he still plays it because he still tours. Yeah. 
and he's still got that double neck Gibson and does switch, you know, he's the, the ringing part for most of the song. Then he goes down to the bottom for the solo when he starts to trade off with Walsh. And the two of them together, because Fingers is kind of refined, he's, he's kind of right on the money, whereas Joe, I don't, he's playing with he's a lot kind of... He's kind of the... Heart. <laughs> yeah, if you if you want to talk about, uh, they talk about Def Leppard, but the old days of Def Leppard with mm-hmm. Colin and Steve Clark, and Colin is the laser focused precision meister, and then Clark is more of the Jimmy Page kind of staggering around. It sounds great, but it's sloppy, and I think I think you kind of got the same dynamic here. Walsh is it wouldn't be the same thing, but the, the two of them together sound fantastic. Great, so good, you know. And so that was, and it wasn't even the first single off the record. I think New Kid in Town was the first single off the record. I think you're right, which was an odd choice, but okay, no one asked me, but that's fine. But perhaps part of it that the reason that was the case was because the record company did not want to release Hotel California as a single with the long solo at the end, because that song is six and a half minutes long, okay? Six and a half minutes long, and that's a little long for FM radio back in the day. You know, it had to be like three and a half to four minutes maybe four and a half minutes, something like that. But six and a half minutes, no, that's that's crazy. You can't put that on the radio. And the, the record company even tried to say, even Geffen was like, yeah, we got to shorten this thing. And the Eagles... And, you know, there's precedent. I mean, Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult. You've heard it on the radio. They have kind of a cut down version when they slow down in the middle and then there's the six solo and then they bring it back at the end. They cut all that out for a single version. So it's only three, three and a half minutes long instead of the five, five and a half minutes of the traditional Reaper. So they're like, yeah, just cut it down. And the Eagles stuck their guns yeah. like, no, you can't, you can't cut the solo out. That's the song, man. And, and they, you know that's what would have gone. Yeah, that's of course that's yeah. what would have gone, you know. Keep the weird lyrics in there, let the keep the chanting in there, and then yeah, we'll, we'll get rid of the cool part. No. You know, and honestly, for, for 6.30 to go down to 3 and change, they might have even messed with the beginning too. Like cut that, not out, but maybe way down, and yeah, that would have been terrible. But I think the thing is too that this was a kind of a the turning point or the, uh, kind of a hard left turn with this record to be more hard rock and also to kind of have a theme running through it mm-hmm. here in my, you know, my 14 year old, the 13 year old was talking about uh, hotel California and saying, you know, well, what do you think that's about? And I'm like, well, I mean, you know, it's lyrics. It can be about anything. And he just said, I think it's about drug addiction. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's, I'm not saying you're wrong. I mean, it could be, I think, I think the whole thing is, you know, kind of the excess and getting famous and, you know, you want this thing, and once you, you know, once you get in, you can't get out, and mm-hmm. it might not be the greatest thing on the face of the earth. There's going to be an ugly side to it. Band is changing, I'm sure, from the greatest hits to this. All of a sudden, now the money is exponentially more, and you know that just starts to pick at people too. Those who are getting paid less. You know, this is turning now into more of a business. Hey, we used to just be guys having fun, writing songs, you know, out on the road. Now this is a huge business. This was going to be even bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Watch out. Oh, I always wanted to be famous. Good luck. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, when they added Felder, it went from everyone gets a 25% stake to everyone gets a 20% stake. Ooh. Now those songwriting credits are all the more important. But they did, I mean, look, they they got together with each other on this record. I mean, Felder wrote the music to Hotel California and Victim of Love. Hanley and Fry wrote the lyrics. You know, J.D. jumped back with Glenn and Don for New Kid in Town. Joe Walsh's Life in the Fast Lane, the riff, that was a warm-up riff. 
That was something he did. It was like a rub your belly and pat your head thing for him. You know, something he used to warm his fingers up. And, yeah. and Glenn's like, what's that? Dude, dude, what is that? He's like, well, something I got, man. There you go. And off he went to write Life in the Fast Lane. You know, Wasted Time was was uh, Henley and Fry, along with The Last Resort, which was certainly not going to be a single at seven and a half minutes. But, but Joe Walsh got a song in there. Obviously, Joe had written his own songs before he was in the Eagles, so it made sense that he got something on there, and, and Randy got one on right. there. So a lot of give and take, push and pull, fighting, arguing, all that stuff. But that's how you get the best stuff out of them, right? I mean, right. if everyone just does what they you tell them to do, maybe it wouldn't be as good. Or if it was just one guy writing all the songs. You're not going to get, you're not going to, you know, the, you're going to get some duds in there. But yeah, when you have so much to pick from, you can refine it. Exactly. It's kind of the same story that happened about the same time, I feel like, with Kansas on Dust in the Wind. Carrie Livgren, who was, who was one of their lead guitarists, was at home one night. He's in the dining room and he's basically, I think he might even be on a 12 string and he's doing something to kind of warm up his fingers, which is basically the melody to Dust in the Wind. And his wife says, oh, huh. that sounds good. You should write a song around that. And he's like, no, woman, that's not a song. That's me warming up my fingers. You don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, no, idiot. I'm hearing that. And that sounds like a good song. And you ought to write around it. So it just goes to show you out there, fellas, even when your wife is dead wrong, she's absolutely right. So just get that into your head and you will have a longer, happier life. Or at least you'll stay married, one of the two. Correct. You will have frying pans thrown at your head. Victim of Love is on side two. I always love this song. I think it's disgusting. It's nasty. It's about cheating on people. It's just... And the solo in it, it's not real intricate, but it's, I always loved it for whatever reason. It's just a nasty song. And, the, and I think the solo goes along very well with it. I'm with you. Felder is good. Uh, yeah. Underrated because he's not, he doesn't sing. Any guitar player who does not sing lead vocals, for whatever reason, does not get their due. Jeff Beck does not get the credit that Eric Clapton. It just doesn't work that way. For whatever reason, especially in America. And, of course, his solo records never really did a whole lot. So he was just kind of looked at as a guy in the Eagles. But he was, to me, he was a really important part of the Eagles. He's the one who took them from country guys who sang songs to girls to a rock and roll band. And he wrote Victim of Love. Now, here's the thing. Because, you know, Randy gets to sing on a song. Joe gets to sing on a song. Glenn Fry gets to sing on a song. He's like, I get to sing on a song. As you said, it's cool. Everybody gets to sing, right? Well, Felder doesn't get to sing. I think he did sing one song, maybe, on Best of My Love. But he thought, yeah, I'll sing this song. And they tried it with him, and they tried it with him, and it just wasn't right. So they got Irving to take him out to dinner one night while they sent <laughs> Henley into the studio <laughs> to sing the song. But yeah. the song absolutely would sound better with Henley on it. And it's one of those things, like, this is the best thing for the Eagles, May not be the best thing for Don Felder, but it's the best thing for the Eagles. And I think Joe Walsh looks at it as that really put a craw into Felder. After that, he was a little bitter. He's like, I wrote these two great songs, at least the music, on this album, and you cut me off. But again, on that movie, History of the Eagles, very contrite. He's like, at the end of the day, there's no really point singing my vocal versus Don Henley's vocal. There's no point arguing anybody's vocal versus Don Henley's vocal. <laughs> of course, he had sued them and been kicked out of the band. He had had time to heal. But the other guys 
hadn't, and they're still bitter about it. And Len Fry died without him and Felder being able to bury the hatchet, which is kind of sad. Yeah, it is too bad because when they were on, they were obviously extremely on. And I think that is the big deal between having a band like this and having a band where you're just told what to do because you I mean, I could sing the song, you did sing the song, if we could do this better. And, and I think that's what you have to realize as a Don Felder is you wrote a great song, you try, you gave it a try, okay, mm-hmm. kid? Just now go sit down and let the pro handle this. Right. And and you have to you have to be able to just take that and say, my feelings are hurt, but I understand, and take a backseat. And I guess he just couldn't. Now it could have been the way it was handled too that he was mad about. But obviously if they if they had to do it that way, they figured that if they asked him straight up, he was just gonna throw a temper tantrum. So right. they had to do it that way. Right. And it, you know, in some ways it, it worked out, I guess you could say. Now pretty yeah, yes. pre maids all in a row, I thought Joe, I think his voice sounds good on this song. I think it's a nice song and, and he does it very well. And and it's a nice change of pace too. After Victim of Love, because mm-hmm. he comes on, okay, you know, here's here's something that sounds totally different. Walsh's voice sounds totally different. It's, it's a cool it's a cool song. It's kind of a cool song that unfortunately in the text of this thing gets lost. Mm-hmm. If it had been somewhere else. Maybe would have been a bigger song. I don't know, but in the hotel world of Hotel California, yeah, that's it's just a it's kind. Of, it, I don't want to say it's a filler, but it's not one. Of, it's not the they can't go toe to toe with the other songs. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to compete with Life in the Fast Lane and Hotel California, and people like New Kid in Town. I, I, I'm with you. I think Victim of Love is a killer song, and it's you're right. It's yeah. it's not for kids. Um, it's it's yeah. it's about disgruntled adult love behavior. Yeah, and then try and love again with Randy. Again, Randy. Randy was the guy in the band who just wasn't type A. He just didn't want to fight. He didn't want to argue. He just wanted to play and then go party, you know, and hoped everybody get along and be friends. But Try and Love Again is another nice, pretty, Randy's got the high voice and mm-hmm. it may not have hit home like Take It to the Limit did, but still, it's a good contribution to the record. Yeah, and, and again, another nice change of pace with here's another voice I can hear. But the deal with my, my thought on Don Henley is that he can sing. He's got a great voice. But there isn't a lot of, I don't want to say range because that's not the right word, but there isn't a lot of, like he sound, he always sounds like Don Henley. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to have another voice in there. The song, it's, it fits his, again, he's got the high register. It's kind of cool. Again, if this had been somewhere else, maybe, but in the world of Hotel California, it's a it's a second side song. Right. And, and to me, The Last Resort, there are pieces of it. It's just, it's long and it's and it's the last one on the record. And if you had the tape, you were probably going to yeah. fast forward it so you can get to side one Hotel, and get yeah, back to Hotel, get back to California, Hotel California, California again. Yeah. yeah, correct. Yeah, you've, you've been through a lot on this. There's a lot of big songs. This is kind of a... This is a you know a slowdown. It's a seven twenty five marathon. Yeah, and you're like, man, I wish I could hear Hotel California again. Fast forward, boom. So February early in seventy six, they put out this greatest hits record. That's huge, and it makes sense. I mean, a lot of people were probably casual Eagles fans, like, oh yeah, I like a couple of songs, like, oh, but I'm not gonna buy all four of their records. Right, but then right. you put out a greatest hits. It's got all their best songs. Like, ooh yeah, I will pick that up. My last three girlfriends love the Eagles, and I, I'm gonna have that around. <laughs> For when we go making out at the point or wherever Correct. you like to, to make out. 
So that's early. And then at the end of the year, you get Hotel California, which is easily the best record they ever did. And it sold something like 25 million copies in the United States and 40 million worldwide. Only reason it didn't more in, you know, album of the year is because rumors came out the same year, which also sold something like 25 to 35 million in the U.S. and 50 million worldwide, something like that. But think about that, Jackson. Little known fact is Eagles Greatest Hits Volume 1 is the biggest selling album in the history of North America, certainly in the 20th century. And then I think Thriller passed it in the last 20 years, but then maybe the Eagles passed it back again. And it's something like 50 million copies or something crazy like that. Well, and I think the thing was, too, it, you had the, so they put out the long run in 80, and then that was it. 79. And then they were back 79. together. 79, okay. Yeah. And then they got back together, and they did the Hell Freezes Over. And I think when that happened, I would be very interested to see the sales uptick then, mm. because everybody, I think, collectively went, oh, yeah, the, I know these guys. Hey, wasn't that that record? Yes, boom, and then so back again. So yeah, it, it's it's insane to me to think of just hey, yeah, how many copies. Like I said, everybody had a copy of this somewhere. Everybody you had it did. on a record. You had it on a tape. You had it on an eight track. That's maybe. right. I don't know, but yeah, everybody had it. So in 77, they're touring on Hotel California, but they also have this huge greatest hits album. They're literally selling millions of albums a month. Forget a quarter or a year, they're selling millions of albums a month. And they can play stadiums, football stadiums. They don't have to play arenas, they play football stadiums. And so they're minting money, they have their own planes, they're dating movie stars and Stevie Nicks's and, you know, all sorts of fun stuff you get to do, you know, all the sorts of the best providers from Bolivia and Colombia come to see them and they're happy to see them, you know, it's, it's, and it was really life in the fast lane, you, you gotta be kidding me how much money they must have been minting in 76 77, 78. Yeah, and, and to have that, I don't turn a fade or, you know, twist a fade or whatever, because they probably always sold records, but mm-hmm. yeah, to have that, like, just turbo blast of those two back-to-back, yeah, I, I'm sure they st- they were seeing checks, this can't be real, mm-hmm. like, this can't be a real amount of money that I'm putting in my bank account now, yeah, and oh, hurry up, because here's another one that you got to cash again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're going from, you know, to, in a bus with everybody on it in Topeka, Kansas to flying on a, your own plane. And yes, you're right. You've got all your favorite uh, providers of illicit things there for you 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. No one's telling you no. And you've got all the money you could ever know what to deal with. Yeah. Hello. So it, it cemented their legacy. Now, look, eventually yeah. they made the long run, which they call the long one because it basically took them two years to record it while they were just doing all the blow they could get their hands on and you know they're all wealthy but you know also during this time on the hotel california tour they they basically kicked randy out of the band because randy didn't want to sing take it to the limit anymore because it's too hard to hit that high note and if your voice creaks or cracks out it's not gonna sound good and and fry's like what are you talking about man it's not up to you i don't want to sing peaceful easy feeling anymore i've been doing it for seven years okay we have to do it you know that's our job someone's you know there's thousands of people who've never seen us play tonight and tomorrow night and three nights after that we gotta sing the hits man and he just eventually he had enough so he split and then that's when they brought in timothy b schmidt and really the only album that he was on during the eagles heyday uh at least studio album was 
the long run. Um, and he did have that he, nice song. Yeah. I can't tell you why it was a pretty big hit. Correct. And it's 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 crazy because if you only if you caught up to the Eagles, you know, in the Hell Freezes Over era, mm-hmm. you would have thought he was there from the beginning. Yeah, he was really only there. The lineup that you saw was really only one album. That was it. That's right. That's right. Now he did a lot of Hotel California touring with them, and then he did the one album and then he did that tour, and then he's been with them ever since they got back together in 1994. Mm-hmm. So you know, but and some of these the disco strangler and the greeks don't want no freaks and some of these songs are not that good like two and a half years and this is what you came up with yeah but i mean but even but but the thing is no matter what no matter what was going to happen it was going to be a letdown you were not going to match hotel california Mm -hmm. and i and i think perhaps they had that thought in their mind like the next one's going to be okay god wants something even bigger well it's not going to be bigger than that but i mean still you had you know the long run i can't tell you why in the city i like that song heartache tonight was a big hit for them heartache tonight is big yeah so it's really it's not a bad record but compared to hotel california no look i love those shoes felder wrote that with henley and fry and it's kind of got that talk box that that joe walsh can do and peter frampton and jeff beck kind of made famous and it's it's kind of a deep track it's one they play on rock radio that i really like not a huge hit necessarily the other thing is that of course the record company they couldn't get it to them fast enough right like, mm-hmm. joe walsh is like they didn't care if we farted and burped on the record they would have put it out it was just when can we have it when can we have it because their whole quarter was based around well we're gonna get a new eagles out and you know that's gonna go double platinum it's gonna ship double platinum right so as soon as yeah, we get it <laughs> Yeah, they, they had a built-in, they had a built-in sales. Even if you've never heard one track on this, there were people that would have lined up at the Peaches to say, "I want the, I'll take it as soon as you get it. As soon as you get it in the door, I will buy it. I'll buy it. Right? Ones, I don't care. Yeah." And it did so, fine. Yeah, I mean, I, seven million in the U.S. alone compared to the twenty-six or however many million of Hotel California. Yeah, it's a little bit of a letdown, but nobody would turn down a seven million selling record. And that's just the United States. That doesn't yeah, include everywhere gonna, else. I was right? going to say that their their line of bands around the corner that would do anything to sell seven million records of one, or seven million times of one records, and this was seven million coming off of. 30 something billion yeah it's it's not too shabby so then but yeah of course they famously broke up in 70 in 80 rather with with glenn fry threatening to kill don felder after the show felder storms off busts his guitar everybody breaks up goes their separate ways and they release eagles live which i did have on cassette which i wore out my senior year of high school in the car but then that was it for 14 years obviously they had various solo careers and we talked a little bit about felder's contributions to the Heavy metal soundtrack in, in episode four. but And I think that was the problem is that both Fry and Henley had giant, well, not giant. I mean, Henley was, was bigger, I think, than, than Fry and Absolutely. Solo. And he, Solo he, but they both, did, they both did well, well enough where it was like, you know what? I don't need these guys anymore. That's right. I can go out. I can play. I call all the shots. I make all the money. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And so I think that's what really hurt them, too, is that they were too, too successful on their solo careers to even probably think about doing that. And it gave them the power when they came mm-hmm. back together to say, listen, I, Glenn Fry, and he, Don Henley, we get double shares. The other guys get single shares. Because without us, there are no Eagles. We founded the band. We wrote all the songs. We have solo careers. We kept the Eagles going in our solo careers. And we cannot do this if we want. But if you want us to come back in, we get double shares and they all get single shares, which not only gives them more money, but it gives them complete control of the band. 
So if the two of them vote one way and the other three vote the other, it doesn't matter. You just lost four to three. And I mean, let's be real honest. Even if they could not, if they couldn't get anybody else on the same page, if it was just Henley and Fry, they could have done something. Yeah. And then people would have got nothing. So at that point in time, if you're everybody else, you have to say, and I think Joe Walsh, he had a pretty, he, he did some stuff, but I think he just kind of wanted to hang around to hang around. Uh, I, I don't think he was Mr. Like, you know, yell and scream. Everything's cool. But if it was, or if it was just the three of them, if it was, you know, Henley, Fry, and Joe Walsh, they could have gone out as the Eagles and nobody would have cared. They would have just showed up to see them. So at some point in time, if you're everybody else, you have to say, you know what, this might not be the best bet for me, but it's all I'm going to get, so I'll take it. Yeah, well, Tim Schmidt needed it, probably. Mm -hmm. What was it making Big Bank? Earned a living, had a career, but but didn't make Big Bank. Joe Walsh was in bad shape. By the time the Eagles got together, Irving Azoff and Don Felder had to drive him to rehab to get him clean. And then as soon as he was clean, he's like, okay, now you're back in the Eagles, which must have been very, very difficult for him because he was into cocaine and alcohol for so long. Then he'd mm-hmm. been kind of on the side road for a long time, right? You know, opening for people, doing small gigs, just getting trashed. And now, okay, you're back in the very, very big time, white hot spotlight, and you're sober for the first time ever, you know, in 25 years. That's got to be pretty tough to do. Plus, they have, uh, they have, what do they call that thing? The circle of death or circle (laughs) of something where they all sit around and they play the songs. And if you're deficient, you're not playing right, you're not singing right, they're going to find out and they're going to kick you in the head. So not only is it, is it this big tour, but you need to be on mm-hmm. you need to be perfect for them to prove and i've heard i can't remember who said it one of the other guys was like yeah that's intense because there's nowhere to hide right you're either you know the song and you can play it or you, you can't don't. right well another thing that was the problem was so felder had gotten in and was a full share member of the band back in the early 70s right by the time bernie left and they brought joe in he wasn't necessarily a full member of the band. He got paid well for for Road, but he wasn't maybe uh, a member of the Eagles Corporation. And Tim Schmidt came along even later and wasn't necessarily a member of the Eagles Corporation. So it was the three of them. 1980, when they broke up, the Eagles Corporation had three partners, Glenn Fry, Don Henley, and Don Felder. So if, if anyone should be getting a big share, Felder figured, well, I should too, right? Because legally... I still am one third of this entity. In fact, I'm the CFO because someone had to be CEO, someone had to be president, someone had to be CFO. He's the CFO. He's like, if I'm supposed to be approving all these checks, mine should be as big as the other guys. And Glenn's just like, sorry, no, not the way it's going to work. And and Felder wasn't going to join. He's like, this is a problem for me. And he basically said, sign it today or you're out, you know, and then Henley and I have two shares each, and Walsh and Timmy will have two shares between them, and we'll get somebody else to play your parts because no one's going to miss your voice. And Felder's like, okay, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I might not be super happy about it, but I'm in. And he wrote a very interesting tell-all called Heaven Heaven or Hell, you know, Life in and Out of the Eagles, which is a really good read. I think that really made Don Henley mad because it showed some of what went on backstage. And Don Henley thinks his whole life should be private. I'm like, sorry, Henley. He's like, oh, I can tell you stuff about Don Felder that'll make your mustache curl. I'm like, yeah, so you're not all saints, Henley. I tend to believe, I, you know, and people remember things differently. And there's always two sides to the story. And a band like the Eagles, there's seven or eight of them. But I tend to believe, you know, Felder's side of the story. And now, you know, Walsh and Tim, they're not allowed to talk about Felder. It, it's 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 an off-limits conversation. If they're in an interview, what about Don Felder? Will he come back in the band? They just defer. They don't talk about uh... that. 
legally I am not allowed to speak of him. But the thing that stinks for, and this goes all the way back to the beginning of the conversation, if you are not a singer, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, they can get somebody who plays the same equipment (laughs) through the same speakers and is note for note perfect. The soul might not be there, but it's going to sound about the same. And and that really kind of stinks as far as your bargaining power. Yeah, and so then Glenn died, uh, which I figured would spell the end of the Eagles. But, you know, hey, there's still money to be made out there. And now that, you know, the Glenn's double share is gone, maybe uh, maybe Don Henley gets the triple share. Tim and Joe get a single share. And then I don't know what they pay Deacon Fry, who's Glenn's son, who they bring along to sing some of his songs. And then Vince Gill, who is a star in his own right and a good guitar player. You know, they I, I would assume they pay Vince pretty handsomely, but I doubt he gets an Eagle's share I, I doubt Deacon does, uh, but it's yeah, interesting. I don't, I don't know that. how that works. Yeah, yeah, I, I would I would imagine you're right. And and Henley at this point in time, you know, this is a business to him. So you're right. He is now calling all the shots. And I, I don't know about. I mean, I don't know how. I don't know how uh, Fry's will went anything mm-hmm. like that. But I'm sure he gets paid very handsomely. And so, same with Vince Gill. But yeah, as far as like the day to day, now now your president, CEO, CFO, everything else, it's the Don Henley Corporation now. And he could go out and be a solo artist if he wanted to because he had a good solo career and had some big hits and could then mix in the Eagles hits with his solo hits. But now that he's in charge, what's it matter? Why do that? You can charge a lot more for an Eagles concert than a Don Henley concert. So why not? Well, that wraps up the Wolves episode on the Eagles. Do you think the Eagles will play London this year? They're scheduled to, but will it happen? Will coronavirus let them? Not sure. Don't have tickets now, but hey, maybe you hear this, maybe you think there's one last chance to see the Eagles. This might be it. I hope they get out there and tour, and I hope we all get to go out and see live music. Next week, we're going to talk about classic by the Rolling Stones. No, not one of the great big ones that everybody talks about from the 60s or 70s. I'm talking about our Rolling Stones album, the one me and Jackson came of age to buy, hear, and see them perform live, and that's Steel Wheels, the 1989 comeback album for the Rolling Stones. Until next time, guys. Hey, do we get something right? Did we get something wrong? Did we miss the point? Let us know. Tweet us at ugly underscore werewolf and check out our past episodes at ugly American werewolf dot libsyn L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. Until next time, be cool and stay safe. to achieve the American dream. The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, 
Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.